Angelica, last week we talked about the celebrities we look like. And I realized that I figured it out. I cracked the code. I know who you look like. I don't know if you're going to like it. Who is it? Well, have you ever seen the movie Dazed and Confused? I have. It's been a while. Well, Googling. you look like this guy, Sean <laughs> Andrews. Oh, my God. What the hell? That's Pickford from Dazed and Confused. He's He plays... He's the guy who's going to host the party and it gets busted because the kids start showing up or the beer, the beer keg shows up too soon. I look so much like him. Yeah, it's this kind is of like that Seinfeld episode where he's dating himself. Whoa. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. That's you in the movie. You know, he's hanging out with Mia Jovovich. And uh, I read a book actually about about the making a point break. And he was such an asshole on set that they actually cut his part in half. But anyway, I'm dying. Yeah, that's you. That's you. This is me. If uh, you're listening to the podcast, the, the podcast version of this and not watching the video version, Google Sean Andrews, Dazed and Confused, standard spelling of everything, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And we can tweet this out, too. Incredible. Weirdly, he also looks a little like Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, I can see that just a little bit. Oh, I'm looking at other pictures of him right now. There you go. This could be my brother. This is incredible. Yeah. So we figured it out. We cracked the code. Good job, dude. Now you need um, to come up with one for me. I I just, you're, you're Nick. You don't, you're just Nick. Yeah. I'm not nearly as derivative of, as you. Yes. I'm going to share this picture because I'm a little blown away by how much I look like this dude right now. Welcome to the Film Swap Podcast, where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reason. I'm Nick Vole. And I'm Angelica Thornton. And this week, we are talking about Point Break. On the coast of Southern California, you can only surf. Party. and make love for so long before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll. 27 banks in three years. Anything to catch the perfect wave. I'm not a crook. Patrick Swayze. Fear causes hesitation. Hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Keanu Reeves. You think I joined the FBI to learn to surf? Point Break. Adios, amigo! Point Break came out in 1991. I did not see it in the theater. I wish I had. It starred Catherine Bigelow and starred Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Lori Petty, and Gary Busey. And as we'll get into later, Angelica's cousin. The film's title refers to the surfing term Point Break, where a wave breaks as it hits a point of land jutting out from the coastline. Keanu Reeves is an undercover FBI agent named Johnny Utah, who is investigating a series of robberies. They narrow in on a group of surfers led by Patrick Swayze. They get close to one another and hijinks ensue. It is an incredibly rewatchable movie. And Angelica, I want to know why you had never seen this movie before. First of all, I had no idea this wasn't just a random surfer movie. I had no idea that this was 
like about crime. Where the hell have I been for 30 years? I did not know the plot at all. So I feel like I've just missed out on tons of references. I was just clueless. I'm not sure why I hadn't seen it until now. I'm not a huge action movie person, uh, but I do love Keanu Reeves and I love Patrick Swayze. And this really made me miss him a lot. Um, I don't, I don't know how I didn't watch this earlier or like even see portions of it. I'm sure it's on TV all the time. I've just, it's, yeah, yeah I have no idea. Well, I can say too, I didn't see it until well after it had come out, maybe 10 years at least after it had come out. I think I didn't really want to see it because it seemed like a dumb movie, but it's, it's sneaky in its, in its way of not being dumb. It's, it's, it's kind of a smart movie, but it's an action movie. It's not like a, you know, intellectual movie, but there's, there's stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, but I, I just rejected it because I thought it was going to be, you know, just like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or Maybe something. Maybe that's why I did too subconsciously and I just never bothered to go out of my way to watch it. So so what did you think? Um, I don't know truly how I feel about this film. I've been thinking about it for days. Overall, I really liked it and I thought it was entertaining. Absurd, but entertaining. I liked it from the beginning for sure. Um if you're going to start a film with Angel on Earth, Keanu Reeves standing in the pouring rain, shooting at a target, um, you automatically get an A plus plus plus. I'm like the teacher in Christmas Story on the board, A plus 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 plus. <laughs> so I was hooked from the beginning. Um, also picked up my new favorite insult, uh, four minutes and thirty seconds into the film. Uh, Young, dumb, and full of cum. That You've was never great. heard that before? Oh, that's, nope. a, that's a famous line from this movie. I know. And I just have never picked up on it or I've never heard it or paid attention to it. I was howling, laughing. Um, I really liked it. I, I thought it was good. Would I watch it 10 times? I think that's how many times you've watched it, you said? I mean, you know, approximately. Maybe. Maybe after the second, third, fourth time around, I, I'm really going to like, you know, you know, I don't know fall in love with the film i don't know i i liked it though i thought it was really good i mean that's good right i mean i want you to like the movie i i i, I think it's really rewatchable for a lot of reasons one i think the initial stuff is just you know like you mentioned it's kind of funny in a lot of parts and i feel like it knows it's being funny but it also kind of wants to be mystical and kind of yeah. deep but it also has these ridiculous action cliches um I think that's one of the really clever things about it is that it uses those cliches to draw people in and then has something else to say yes. also. Yes. I was thinking about this and I was watching the cinematography uh, on the ocean and I thought, this is cheesy, but this movie has an undertow. I mean, really, it does. It really sucks you in like the ocean. Like you want to reject some of the corniness, mm -hmm. but then you just keep getting sucked into Patrick Swayze's character. You're like, Bodhi, Bodhi. And you're looking into Bodhi's eyes and you're like, he's really spiritual. I'm digging this right now. And I can see why Keanu Reeves, uh, Johnny Utah is sort of falling in love with him. Yeah, and because because he's not, I mean, he's a little bit full of it, but he believes in the in the garbage he's pumping you know what i mean and absolutely he's buying it yeah and it's not just i mean there is something to it as well i mean his yeah. outlook on life there is something to it it's just the sort of incongruous with crime and yeah robbing people yeah of course i loved all the chases i love the shootouts i love the fights the surfing the skydiving of course and i thought 
all of the characters in the film were really likable. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Lori Petty to me is somewhat grating, but that's just kind of how she is. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just were annoyed by her? Just... just generally in things I've seen her in. I just, she's got that kind of like spunky, like. Too much. It's girl over power the top thing. attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I still think she's perfect for this movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, You know, she fits into that sort of scene. You know, you can envision her. She feels natural in that surfing scene. Um, Yeah. And and, and, and I, I did read a lot of praise for, for um, Bigelow casting her because she's sort of this androgynous girl and Keanu Reeves is a little more feminine and they play off each other. And at the time, like you would expect them to cast like a blonde you know, Southern California, like stereotypical person in that role. And so that worked. I'm not picking up on that now, watching it 30 years later, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I guess people really like that choice. I, I don't guess- know that I've seen a ton of films with her in them since then. Well, her big her big one after this was Tank Girl, which was a huge flop. So she's done a lot of TV and smaller oh. things. Okay. She was actually recently in Station Eleven, which was an re- excellent sci-fi series on HBO. Um, she was really good in that. Um, actually, to the to your point about the masculine versus feminine, I actually read that um, the original script w- w- leaned even harder into that, hmm. and that the original character was was listed as very masculine, and the original Johnny Utah was listed as somewhat feminine, huh. and that was intentional. And then I guess Catherine Bigelow sort of amped that up. I, I read also that someone has referred to this, and I think it's very astute as the ultimate female gaze movie. It's, it's oh, yeah. much kind of from a woman's perspective in a lot of ways. And you can tell in the filmmaking, yeah, not just in like the, the leering at the handsome men, but also just it's, it's more, it's more of a sensitive movie. You know what I mean? It's absolutely. I got that feeling through the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, I did read one review and I thought it was, it was perfect. It said, it's like being trapped in a soft drink commercial. And I thought that was true at times. And that's why I'm, I'm, I was like sort of rolling my eyes, but then it kept like pulling me back in. So I, I don't think it was, I don't think it was too much. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of that connection with Johnny Utah and Bodie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, Johnny loses his moral compass because he is so much like Bodie, but I wanted more of that. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of that bromance. Yeah. I mean, that was the most compelling part of the movie, for sure. And that was a more believable romance than him and Tyler. Absolutely. Yeah. Not that it wasn't believable, but that's the one you were invested in, I guess, which is a, a kind of an un- unusual plot line. Um, I also thought it was interesting how there were cartoonish elements in the movie, but the most cartoonish elements were the FBI, like the more o- the most over the top, just ridiculous, all FBI it was almost funny to me because because if you look at the FBI side of the movie versus the surfer side, they're two different movies, really. Yeah. You know, the surfer side is more naturalistic for the most part. All the FBI guys, all the actors, Gary Busey and John C. McGinley are so over the top. Like John C. McGinley was crazy over the top. Mm-hmm. Did he have a, a one line in the movie that was normal, like a normal delivery? No, no. His entire thing was playing the angry police, you know, commander who yells at his, his subordinates, you know, like such a cliche. And that's why I think it's so funny that how different, like I said, the FBI mm-hmm. versus the surfer plotline were. 
And then yeah, Gary I mean, Busey. There, there were, there were times where Gary Busey would take it down a few notches and it was good. I thought he was good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I always, I almost just said Nick Nolte. Why do I mix these two up? Is it because they had both had weird mug shots? Yeah, it's because they're both, I think it's because they're both blonde guys who are rough looking. Yeah, it's sort of like the the Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman thing. Like I always think of the wrong name, uh, but I thought Gary Busey was good. I, he was so over the top to me. I think if they had toned down those types of performances, the movie would have been yeah. a little more effective overall. It just felt like two different movies at times. Yeah, when he's on the side of the road and, and he screams something about being in Nam, I was like, the, what is happening here? Um and then that combined with, listen, Keanu Reeves isn't the best actor, especially in 1991, and I love him and everything, but it was sort of just real flat. So mm-hmm. his, you know, flat acting along with Gary Busey's psycho over-the-top delivery did seem so weird when you um, compare that to scenes with Patrick Swayze, mm-hmm. who I think delivered the perfect tone as Bodie. Yeah, I think this is my favorite Patrick Swayze performance of all time. I mean, I've never seen Dirty Dancing, which we can get to in another episode. But, you know, compared to like other films I've seen him in, Ghost or Roadhouse. I mean, I love Roadhouse, but that's another story. But I think this is just like the perfect distillation of his his acting, you know, like supreme quiet confidence. Yep. Um, I did feel like this bordered this movie bordered. I think you kind of hinted a minute ago. It was like bordered on profound and spiritual but it didn't quite get there mm-hmm. um because can it i mean ultimately it's sort of a silly movie that the whole plot is silly so they can't go that far um i mean johnny utah learns to surf in like two weeks um, yeah or something i don't know um he's constantly doing dumb shit with angelo pappas like somehow getting a raid approved based on just random hunches yeah uh, never calling for backup and missing the bank takeover because they were getting meatball sandwiches. <laughs> That's Angelo's fault. It Who is needs Angelo's two sandwiches? Fault? Like, this is so dumb, but I don't know. That also made the movie kind of enjoyable. Yeah, it's like the comic, the mm-hmm. comic relief almost. Like An- Gary Busey's absolutely the comic relief in this movie. And it does need some air taken out of it because you've got the over the top fbi folks and then you've got this super earnest you know there's no humor in the surfer community there otherwise you've got some like seven years in tibet garbage going on if yeah you're just gonna like focus on bodhi and his uh and his quest his anti-capitalist you know quest to you know stick it to the man i guess and keanu to me he he meshes into the surfer group much better than he meshes into the fbi group like he's he's believable and his flat acting isn't a big deal in the surfer group because you know he comes across as a surfer half the time anyway the f you know buying him as a cop is a lot harder yeah or even buying him as uh was it ohio state was he a mm-hmm. buckeye mm-hmm. right like rose bowl yeah you know quarterback that didn't seem that believable to me either like he's just this straight, you know, I want to follow the rules and be the best. Da, 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 da. And then I was like, no, he's a surfer who's going to smoke some weed with these guys and go to Australia for the summer there with them. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching the film, when they go to Australia, it will look familiar to you because they didn't shoot it in Australia. Right. They shot it at Cannon Beach, Oregon. Yeah. At Indian Beach, right? Uh, Ecola State Park. 
Yeah, I think that's just north of Cannon Beach, though, right? Yeah, and I've I've got that's like my favorite Oregon beach. I started going there when I moved here, and uh, we have a couple friends from Montana who come every summer and surf. So that's actually the only place I've ever been around a lot of surfers. Coincidentally, hmm. it's a beautiful beach. I didn't notice right away, and then uh, my husband pointed out. He's like, the "Beach, you know?" And I'm like, "Oh man, that's crazy." Um, that scene. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute, but that scene was incredible. Yeah, and the that's cinematography the, was amazing. It's one of the best things about this movie is even if it didn't work for me as a movie, which it does, but even if it didn't, there are so many incredible individual scenes throughout this movie that I think it really is entertaining just from that standpoint. I mean, the Cannon Beach scene or the, the Australia scene, um, even the the raid is just a riveting scene when he's got the the lawnmower in his face and the, you know the DEA agent pissed off at the end, Tom Sizemore in a little cameo there. And there's just so many great scenes that I think even as a collection of scenes, this whole thing works. It's incredible how much they took on themselves as far as stunts. Mm. Um, I guess they learned to surf in Kauai um, with some world-class surfers. Um, Swayze, I guess, had surfed a couple of times I read. Mm -hmm. uh, Keanu Reeves had never surfed, which was surprising to me. And Lori Petty, who played uh, Tyler, obviously, she hadn't served either. I guess uh, Patrick Swayze cracked a couple ribs. Yeah. I I'd and... read that she had never been in the ocean at all. Wow. I and he apparently did like 20 jumps for the skydiving scenes and was like super into just doing as much as possible by himself. And I think that really came across in the film. Yeah, like when he jumps from that airplane, there is no mistaking that it is him jumping from the airplane and that he's very excited and comfortable with it. Yeah, and there were certain shots of him uh, on the surfboard that were beautifully shot. Um, and you could tell that was Patrick Swayze. I mean, he looked like Patrick Swayze out there. And Patrick Swayze, I think, is like a classically trained dancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's no way that's anyone else. You could tell it was him. And I thought that was really great. Yeah. And what I like about Patrick Swayze being a classically trained dancer is that when he fights, he moves with such grace that he looks like a dancer who's all who's fighting. You know, it's what like I mean? an SNL skit. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Dance exactly. fighting. Dance fighting. Exactly. Yeah. He pirouettes into his like roundhouse kick. Um, I read a theory online on Reddit, multiple threads on Reddit that um, Bodie knew the whole time that Johnny Utah was an FBI agent and he loved it because it was just one more challenge for him. What do you think of that? I can buy that. He's not a fool. Yeah. He knew right away who Johnny Utah was. And that's what's, what's one of the things that always catches me on that. And it's a little different now that we live in an internet age. Yeah. But it seems like you could pretty easily investigate who Johnny Utah is and that he doesn't work for a, like what he said, he was an investment firm. Also, or why is he like using his real name if he's an undercover FBI agent? No, exactly. Why would you do that? But maybe it's what? because he is famous, but then why would you assign a famous person to be an undercover agent? None of it yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. And I could see Bodie wanting to turn him, knowing that he's an FBI agent and wanting to turn him. Like that's his mission. I'm going to turn this guy. And I mean, he kind of did. Yeah. Up until the very end. Yeah. I mean, uh, that scene where, you know, they're chasing each other through the backyards like Ferris Bueller trying to get home um, 
was crazy. And then, he, you know, when they zoomed in on Bodhi's eyes in the Ronald Reagan mask and oh, yeah. Keanu Reeves looks at him. By the way, I started laughing because then I got the hot fuzz stuff. It's so good. All the references in hot fuzz where he shoots up in the air. Um, I was like, oh, that's it. It's 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 done. That's it. He's he's crossed the line and mm. that's it. He He cannot be an FBI agent anymore. I think that's one of those logical leaps that you can make, though. Do you mean like he should have quit right then and there? Or you mean no matter what happens, he's never going to be an agent after this movie? No, I just thought, okay, Bodie won. Mm. You know, then there's another 20 minutes where, you know, he pushes it even further. He does. And I mean, I, I'm like, they're jumping out of an airplane together. Um, and uh, Johnny Utah seems to really be liking this. Like he's... They're holding hands at that point, right? He's holding hands with all the bank robbers that he mm -hmm. just tried to apprehend. And I'm like, is is he playing along or does he does he love this? Is he tempted to be with them? It's both. It's definitely both. Like yeah. he, he's he's that's one of the the great things about it. I mean, yeah. he, how you can tell how conflicted he is between what he wants to do and what he needs to do. And and that I'm curious too because you mentioned that Bodhi kind of knew what he was doing all along. Well, what about the final heist? So their whole thing was they go in 90 seconds, they they clear out the drawers, they get out of there before the cops come. They never go for the safe. The last robbery, they go for the safe, and that's what gets them, you know, caught, essentially. Why would he do that? Why would he make that decision? It... You're right. Um, as I was watching, I'm thinking, well, he knows he's never going to be able to come back. Well, he needs he needs all the money um he's greedy this time because this might be their last heist right but if he thinks johnny utah's with him maybe he wouldn't be that reckless i don't know yeah i don't i don't know either i i feel like yeah he can't come back to la there or wherever they are but he could definitely do this elsewhere so i don't know it just seems like they know they're going to run a high risk of getting caught, or maybe at this point he doesn't care anymore. Maybe he has some scheme to pin it on Johnny. Who knows? I It's just one of those logical things in the movie, like we talked about, that didn't quite make sense. So you always wonder sometimes with movies if the decisions they're making are because they make sense for the character or whether yeah. it's just to advance the plot for us, the viewer. I think um, that change in Bodhi was a little bit... Um... I don't know. It was a little too quick, too, too much. Um, like he drastically changed at that point. Like what happened to his spiritual side where, you know, no one gets shot in any, any of the robberies. And then all of a sudden he's taking too many chances and he's barely holding his brother up as his brother's dying on the floor. That just didn't seem to sort of match his character up until that point in the movie. Well, I mean, does um, that tell us that he's been full of shit the whole time? Yeah, I know. I mean, he's in the in the desert in Mexico uh, a couple scenes later and like, you know, hooting and howling as he gets away. And I'm like, that's not the Bodie I knew 20 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would be so much more conflicted. So I don't know if he's full of shit the whole movie and that was his ultimate goal or if it's just sort of uh, the 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 script and the plot needed to be massaged a little more. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps it's just like the title of the movie, you know, point break. Maybe that yeah. is breaking point. He's all of that, 
you know, mystical mumbo jumbo sounds great until push comes to shove. Yeah. And, and then, then he's you like, have, screw it. Yeah. That's he's it. like, yeah, I can't do it anymore. What a complete shit show as an FBI agent like Johnny Utah, like pretty much everything they do from from the um, the raid to what happens in the bank. Um, everyone dies, like literally everyone dies. So how is he still an FBI agent when he shows up in Australia? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that's a good question, because, you know, John C. McGinley's yelling at him the whole time. Well, he kind of deserves to be yelled at the whole time. Yeah, he's going <laughs> rogue the whole time. Yeah, but hey, but he he was right. Yeah. You know, that's all that matters. You got results. You pencil pushers. Yeah. You don't get it. I did really love the ending. Um, I mean, I just thought it was great. Uh, that that final surf was awesome. The way they shot it was great. Um, the dialogue was good. I thought that was one of the best endings I've seen in that type of film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fatalism. You know, yeah. he knows he's screwed no matter what, so he's going to go out doing what he loves. And then I thought, what would I do? What would you do if you were Johnny Utah? And I mean, you'd been chasing this guy. I think it's supposed to be less than a year, right? Like, I mean, they've got longer hair and everything. They look a little different. Um, what would you do if you're Johnny Utah? Do you let him go or do you, do you unlock the cuffs and let him go? Or do you take him in? You let him go because no matter what happens, you have plausible deniability. You know he's going to die. You know that's what he wants. You know that ultimately justice is served, I guess, because he's not going to be robbing banks anymore. And I think as an FBI agent, you can say, yeah, we, we wrestled in the surf. Everyone watched us. He escaped. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I think I would have done that too. And I know that uh, Johnny Utah tosses his badge in the sand and then he goes and, and mourns Bodie, who he's in love with, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. He... From a practical standpoint, my friend Ian and I were talking about this movie yesterday, and imagine shooting this film at Cannon Beach, the Oregon coast. It's cold and gray, and they're splashing around the surf, just freezing their asses off for how long it takes to shoot a scene. Just imagine how miserable that day of shooting must have been. I couldn't do it. That's yeah. acting right there. That's that's yeah. some, that's some nipple really cut, great. nipple cutting or glass cutting nipples. After that one, it's just like ice cold. Yeah, it was so good. I Patrick Swayze, oh, what a gem of a person. He was really great in this. Yeah, he was. And I, I think, like I say, it's his, one of his Mount Rushmore performances. And I would say the same of Keanu Reeves, too. Yeah. You know, he wasn't the best in it, but it's he was great in it. He was perfect for it for the most part. I, I read that they had some other choices for this, this role, including Charlie Sheen, which wouldn't have made yeah. any sense. The funniest one to me was Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I saw that. I, apparently this was um this was like close to production in 86. Oh. Right. So the Matthew Broderick thing makes sense, right? If it's right after. But with Ridley but, Scott directing. Yeah. Um and they considered uh Matthew Broderick, Johnny Depp, Val Kilmer and Charlie Sheen. I can see the middle two. I can see uh, Depp or Kilmer doing it. They would they both bring the intensity that the character but Matthew Broderick. Yeah. And Charlie Sheen. I mean, you, you forget that he was a dramatic actor in the 80s. I mean, you know, you think of him from all of his comedies and his sitcoms in the 90s. But yeah. I guess, you know, he was in Platoon. He could probably pull it off. But and Wall Street. Yeah. So they made it four years later. Um, 
and uh, the producers, uh, James Cameron was married to Catherine Bigelow at the time, mm-hmm. um, who had just finished Blue Steel and was looking for her next project. Um, James Cameron has said that he did a considerable amount of writing with Bigelow to get a better plot flow from the original uh, mm-hmm. that was pitched in 86, I guess. Well, and I can tell you where those cornier aspects came from. They came from James Cameron, because if That's you look him. at his other way, films, you're right. It's just in keeping with the way he writes. James Cameron is a gifted filmmaker. He is, but he's a bad writer or or he has great ideas that I don't think he executes the way that a better writer would. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's where that came from. And I feel like it's kind of an indictment on Hollywood that Catherine Bigelow made this movie. She made Blue Steel, which was pretty good. And then she didn't make anything effectively for several years. I mean, she made... um the West, the weird Western with Sharon Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Um, whose name is escaping me, but just how, how marginalized she was until she made the hurt locker. And she's such a gifted director. It's incredible to me that she was sort of, I mean, it's not when you know the history of Hollywood, but it's crazy to me. Let's talk about my cousin. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> please do. So uh, there's been a rumor in my family for 10 years now that I was related to someone who was in Point Break and who's who was in True Detectives and I don't know, some other shows with detectives in them. Um, you know, like, I don't want to say CSI because I think that's wrong, but I get all those shows mixed up. And um, we talked last week and we were looking up the last name Thornton and there's no one named Thornton in the film. So then I went back to my old messages from like 11 years ago and I realized it was Bo Jesse Christopher. And so I started tweeting at him. Um, he hasn't tweeted back. Bo Jesse, cousin, please. We need confirmation from the source. I'm a journalist, but I do think we're cousins because I've talked to my aunt and a bunch of cousins who told me they haven't seen him since they were kids. So Bo Jesse would be my father, my father's first cousin. So I guess he's my second cousin. Oh, wow. That's nuts. And obviously you've never met him. Never met him. I didn't really know my father's family very well. Like I, my father's from Nashville, Tennessee, and I would go down and my brother was born there before I was born. And so we would go down to visit my grandparents. And then my parents split up when I was five and I never saw my dad until I was like 12. And I saw him for Thanksgiving two years in a row. And then I never saw him again, went to his funeral when I was in my thirties. Um, but I am in touch with a lot of them and they're like, Oh yeah, I haven't seen Bo Jesse since we were kids. And his dad was uncle Don. And I'm just, and it's so weird. That's crazy. I don't think I have any relatives who have accomplished much in the field of entertainment, except for my cousin, Max, who's a post-production supervisor for the show Tacoma fire department. And uh, he's, he's, he's the, he's reaching the stars. He's the hero the- of the family. Well, I mean, you know, I'm impressed by him, but. I mean, I'd like to think I'm the hero of the family. I mean, you couldn't even get that out. No, hey, I know. Right? You've had plenty of airtime, Nick Bowl. YouTube and local cable does not count. But... Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I um, I'm still waiting to hear back. Uh, I tweeted at Bo Jesse. I, I'm really getting creepy here. I sent him an Instagram message. I sent him an email. I told him my dad was Billy Bond Thornton Jr. Ring a bell which is a whole other story. Um, I find it incredible. Your dad's name is Billy Bond Thornton, not Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Bond, Billy Bond Thornton Jr. So um, yeah, that's it. 
uh, I told you, I never used to see my dad. So like pre like social media, when it was hard to track people down, I would try and Google him all the time, just out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I just would just get so angry about the actual Billy Bob Thornton screwing up all my Google search results. <laughs> and then you mix up the word, mix in the word Angelina Angelica in there. And it's just a disaster. Oh my God. Yes. Vials of human blood and yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So, uh, Bo Jesse, if you hear this, if you're listening, come on the show. Yeah, he's got an acting studio. Yeah, I saw his in LA. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. This is, this is really interesting to me. Yep. Yeah. So, Bo Jesse, your dad is my grandmother's brother. My grandmother was Jeannie. Graham Thornton. Bo Jesse's actual legal last name is Graham. Is Graham. His his name is Bo Jesse Christopher Graham. So challenge, challenge is out there. Let's see if mm -hmm. anything comes. Up. He could be our first guest. We we've been debating whether to have guests or who, not whether to who to have on as yeah, guests. Who's gonna? Who is it gonna be? It's gonna be Gromit, first guest. So you can see Point Break in a lot of different places. Uh, you said you saw it on Netflix. I did. I own it naturally. Uh, but yeah, and while you watch it at home, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, go to your local grocery store. Georgetown Brewing out of Seattle has three beers named after this movie, and I've had them all. They're all very good. Uh, there's the Bodhisattva IPA named after for Bodie. There's the Johnny Utah Pale Ale and the Warchild IPA, and I believe Warchild was Bodie's brother. So, you know, make it a thing. Yeah. So do you have any advice for the next time I watch it? Because I want to watch it again, because I do feel like there are things I'm going to pick up on the second, third time around. Any advice? I mean, I don't know if I have advice other than, God, I need to not wear hats when I do this. I take my hat off and it's just matted down. Um, no, my advice to you is to just uh, now that you know what the movie is, just let it wash over you. Yeah, because you know when you watch the movie, because we've talked about these sort of tonal differences. Sometimes you, when you're watching it, you sort of fight back yep. against that. You're like, "Oh, this is stupid," or like whatever. I and was so too analytical the first time, and I also didn't know what it was about, so I was like getting jerked around a little bit. I think if I watch it the second time, I will pick up on all the subtleties that I didn't get the first time around. Be more Bodhi and let things happen, and be yes. less Johnny Utah trying to force things to happen. That's, yeah, that's or the takeaway. Or uh, Pappas, even yeah, worse. Pappas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so next week we are going to be talking about Legally Blonde. How have you not seen this movie? I'm positive I've seen parts of it on like Comedy Central or whatever over the years. I cannot say confidently I have seen the whole movie or even any of the parts non-consecutively. You know what I mean? So I'm excited to see it. I, I feel like it's a movie I've avoided because... It just doesn't seem like a movie I would like, or at least young me would have liked. But I think as an adult, I've become more open-minded to like these kinds of comedies. You love romantic comedies. I do. And this is really funny. And I think you're really going to like it. Do you like Reese Witherspoon? Generally. Yeah. I think you're going to enjoy it. I might be wrong, but I think you're going to like Legally Blonde. Good. And you know, it's one I've seen on the queue you know, in the past and thought, well, maybe tonight. And then I haven't. So I'm kind of glad that you're kind of forcing my hand here and it'll be a nice, uh, you know, Saturday night drinking movie to watch. Definitely. I'm kind of excited about it actually. And I have some ideas coming forward. We've talked a little bit about Christmas movies for the holiday season. Um, 
it's kind of hard because we watch a lot of Christmas movies around this time of year, just, you know, while we're putting the tree up or whatever. So it'll be fun to try to see some new ones. If you guys are listening out there and you have some ideas about what we should watch, I'd be interested because I feel like there's so many Christmas movies. There's no way I'm aware of all of them. And I'm sure there's some good ones I've missed. Yeah. And there's like five really popular ones that are on repeat all the time. You know, Christmas story, Christmas vacation, um, elf, elf, love actually, which you and I, we might have to do a whole podcast just dissecting that movie. You were telling me Diane Sawyer's doing a special on it. She's doing a whole 20 year anniversary of love actually. And they've been heavily promoting it. And I just scream when it comes on. When does that air? I think it airs tonight. Oh my goodness. Now, now's the time we need to get on that. Capitalize. Yeah. I think I would love to break down that movie. Yeah. I I think that'll be kind of fun. The hate watching session of 2022. Yeah. I, you know, we talked about this on another podcast. We were already breaking format so many times here, but watching a movie we've both seen and we both hate to talk trash about is going to be so much fun. Yeah. If the, if there's one special exception, we'll make it for this film for sure. Okay. So next week, Legally Blonde, we'll do some Christmas movies coming up. We hope to start having guests on here pretty soon. Um, once we kind of straighten all that out. So I'm kind of excited about where we're going here, uh, into, into December. All right. Vaya con Dios, Nick. Was that something they said in the movie? Yeah, it's the last thing that Johnny Utah says before he goes into the ocean. God, I should know that. I've seen this movie 10 times. <laughs> Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vol. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vol. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there, and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Bowles.